hold a few titles, not important on this day, but most people just comfortable calling me Baba or Baba Finley or just Chief. So uh, definitely thank you for coming out here on this beautiful Sunday afternoon from Virginia. I definitely appreciate you guys being part of this. So are we going straight to the topic or the question you have? <laughs> okay, I think the topic of this discussion is uh, making generational changes or uh, what generational changes that need to be made during this particular period, during this particular time in our existence, and especially in this country. Um, for those of you who are, I guess the term they call it nowadays is being awake, um, this is a period of the Aquarian age. And if some of you have any familiarity with astronomical astrology terminology with the uh, with the houses, um, each one of the houses has a uh, representation or a concept or uh, a reference to what it means. For example, uh, if you go into the house of Leo, it's I rule. If you go into the house of Virgo, it's I analyze. Uh, you go into the house of Cancer, I feel. You go into the house of Capricorn, I use. Go into the house of Pisces, I believe. And if you go into the house of Aquarian age, it says, I know. And if that's where we are, then we are in this age of information. Uh, most of you all know about the impact of social media. Um, in this age of information, and, and, and what's interesting, if any of you all remember some of your Sunday school lessons and some of the things that were asked in the Bible, uh, that was a phrase, it was a paragraph, a scripture where the disciples, the ones of the discipline, uh, that were asking uh, Jesus, the master teacher, uh, how we know the sign of the end of times. And he said, go into the new house. The new house at that time was Jerusalem or Jerusalem or the house of peace or the new house of peace. And he says, there you'll see a man bearing a pitcher of water. He then will know the sign of time. Of course, the man bearing a pitcher of water is the sign of the query. So because Jesus was the fisherman of men and the sign was the fish, you pull up behind most cars and Christian people, they'll have a fish on the car saying, I believe. So Jesus' symbol was the fish of the Piscean age. And so we're moving into this new time of the uh, Aquarian age. So what does that really mean, I know? You know, uh, there are schools now that will go ahead on and teach that Christopher Columbus discovered America, but then tell the children the same breath. This is what I'm supposed to tell you, but this is not what happened. And uh, that, of course, is contradicted to a lot of things. Most importantly, why would you even re have to be reduced to that? When can we really get to the point of telling the truth? Um, there's been a lot of revelation. There's been a lot of revealing. The Aquarian age deals a lot with... Um, uh, gender influence. As we know, there are more people accepting who and what they are as far as their gender and how they look at their gender. We know the Aquarian age to be an age of information where the revealing of how we view our spiritual beliefs. And a lot of us are revisiting uh, the things that we were before colonization. Uh, those that say I'm Spanish-speaking people can trace their roots back to the Mayans, the Incas, the Aztecs, the Mestizos, and different, different uh, societies, villages, and tribes 
uh, in the southern part of the U.S. as well as in the, what we now know as Mexico, Central, and South America. Um, African people who have realized that, that we, we, were, we were here before uh, a lot of the ships arrived. Um, there is a belief that the Olmecs, uh, that coastal part of Mexico, was actually the Mende people. There's a lot of things being revealed. There's a lot of things, quote unquote, coming into the knowing. And so when Brother Sekou, and I thank you for allowing this moment, uh, uh, he and I have been talking, we've done a couple of podcasts, uh, probably over the past year, it's been very interesting. Um, it's important to understand um, not all information is good information, uh, but the challenge would be in this generation of time that there's so much information. So what is what and what's real? And we were having this discussion a lot uh, on yesterday, how a lot of the brothers and sisters are attracted to Kemet or present day Egypt. And it's uh, the whole cosmology, especially dealing around the gods and just more so even attracted to the geography. Um, Kemet or Egypt is very, very powerful. It is the only country that has an institution that you can actually go to school and become a degree teacher, professor of Egyptology. There's no such thing as Russian ontology. There's no such thing as Brazilology or anything of that nature. So when you start looking at why is this North African country so, so popular, thank you, that um, you can actually go get degrees. And as we was traveling um, through the cataracts, you know, whether we were on boat on the Nile, and when we were traveling within car, we saw all these mounds and mounds and hills, and you know they tell you only one one hundred of Kemet has been revealed, and that I saw all the university, Northwestern University, Illinois University, Harvard University, Oxford University, everybody's got these grants over there digging. And the question is, what are you really looking for? And so the most interesting thing to me, uh, bringing up this thing about the Aquarian age when people are looking for information, the most important thing anyone can ever tap into is that the thing you're often looking for is really inside yourself. So you can dig for eons and you can pull up a statue, you can pull up uh, anything in old Sanskrit, cuneiform, symbolic glyphs. It'll tell a story, but the question is, what was the ancient ones? What were the ones of antiquity trying to lay down this foundation of the world that uh, it wants that everybody's so obsessed with? And, and I say that because if you really think about it, a person who really understands it, there's some great books on the outside of this mall. I was looking at one of them in particular, uh, Nile Valley, Contribution to Nile Valley Civilization by Dr. Anthony Browder, who I've had, maybe some of you have had the pleasure of talking to, speaking with us, sitting listen to him speak, that he talks a lot about the 200, 2,000-year-old invasion into that region. And what makes it important is because that, too, was not just a generation, but a millennium of changes that just flooded in and that pushed those people out down into what is called the old flood routes the, uh, and moved into the west and, and even deeper into the south. Um, that's very, very important to understand because when that happens, the generations have nothing else 
to do. There's nothing else they can do but make changes. So in, in, a, in a little bit of sense, if you relocated as a child seven years old from, uh, let's say, Brooklyn, New York, and your parents got this job down in Compton, California, that is a cultural shock. And as some things going to change, first of all, you're probably not going to understand some of the terminology. You're not going to understand why you're eating certain food. There's going to be a whole new discovery about beach life as opposed to what they consider beach in Coney Island. I don't know where they got that from, uh, but that's their beach. But the, the, the thing of it is, is how you adapt and how you make the adjustments. Generational changes, that's the concept. And that is, again, your adaptation to all the changes around you and making the adjustments. So to fast forward, based on what was laid down as a foundation, and that a group of people are still digging, the question is what are they looking for? If you fast forward, the question is still the same for everyone in this audience and everyone that's listening. And that is, what's your dig? What are you really looking for? Now, where's that God, goddess, and you that you need to raise up, that you're trying to raise up consciously or unconsciously? Why are the things that are happening to you personally or happening to you personally? We can tap into the Aquarian age, but of all of his influences, the primary thing that you're looking for in this is, what does that have to do with me? If this is occurring on a world stage, and we just saw one president shift into another president, you had one president talking about change we can believe in, and you had another president talking about, let's make America great again. I'm not quite sure what Biden's slogan was, but the, the primary thing is, that's an influence on the world stage the question is, what is the influence on your own personal faith? This person you decided to marry, the person decided to divorce. This child you decided to give birth to, the idea you don't even have any children. What does this mean, the idea that I think I don't think I'm going to spend the rest of my life with a man, but I feel more comfortable being with a woman? Why do I feel like I can't work with people and I do better being a self-employed business person? What does this mean on this day and at this time? We can go out and get a bunch of books. We can go out and hear some great speakers. I mean, they got a bunch of them. From Oprah and Yama to Dr. Phil. You got the motivational speakers. Tony Robbins is still doing his thing. You got the quote-unquote prosperity preaching ministers. Everybody out here has something to say question, or my second question because of what you're looking for, and that is, who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Generational changes are going to occur within nature. Even though the trees that you see, the cherry blossoms, they do the same thing every year. Why? That's what cherry blossoms do. They have no reason to start growing apples. The diversity of human spirit is different, it operates different, but it still works in accord and in alignment with nature. Nature changes daily, but nature never changes. It's change within change, but it's consistent at what it is. The confusion is how you move and operate. The day you stop being yourself and staring at the picture and realize you need to look more like Beyonce, 
the downfall of your higher self begins to go into the lower self. You were never here to look like, be like Beyonce. Honor her contract, like it or love it, dislike it or hate it. She is who she is, she does what she does. Because the minute media reports something bad, you're hurt, I can't believe she did it. Then you want to go into the defense, well, I never liked her anyway. Well, I didn't really like all her songs. Yes, you did. The thing of it is, is that you made a cardinal mistake and that cardinal mistake is basically the thing that hurts us from moving through change, and that is we can easily emotionally attach ourselves to things and people. And when it's time to cut cords, it hurts. Human beings' greatest flaw on this day in our evolution is our inability to detach from those things that hurt us. We will often say, yeah, I'm past that. I don't give a you-know-what. And then what happens when that new person, same energy, shows up? That new experience you think shows up, and it pushes that button and pulls that trigger, and you react the same. And yesterday I was talking about if you have not mastered the outcome of how you deal with those things that require an outcome, if you are still responding the same way, you have not mastered anything of yourself is going to happen over and over and over again. And then you're going to fall off into some stupidity by asking the question, why is God singling me out? Trust me, billions of people on this planet, you're not that important. You have to get your, your house in order before you start stepping outside trying to raise up a community. It might be why those police officers feel they can come into your community and get away with things. Have you not stopped to look at the way you still think? If we believe in a universe and we believe in a higher source, and that higher source explains itself in the laws of opposites, and if that higher self only gets to know itself through us, then that higher self, that God in the sky, has never really known itself in totality until we complete the journey and then it gets more information of itself. Everybody got that? I'm not saying don't believe in a God. I'm just saying sometimes you need to take time out to believe in yourself. Sometimes when you say, I thank God for giving me this job, you might want to give yourself credit for having intelligence to even go fill out a resume and knowing how to feed yourself. You really think a cheater that runs that fast and catches food say, whoo, I thank God I got speed. Cheetah just going to operate within cheetah business. It will not operate out of the capacity of its integrity. Or you, third question, operating in the capacity of your integrity. Or have you been compromised? I.e. colonized. See, I practice a system that's very old. Ties itself back to the Nile Valley. Shows its expression mostly in southwest Nigeria. Up the west coast, all down the Ghana roads, going back down east to Angola. You can find remnants with the Sangoma, Zulu. You can come up, you can go over to Central America. I've been in Guatemala. I found remnants of what I practice with the Mayan people around the temples that they're digging over there as well. And you know what I found out? It seems the experts are digging to find out something that inherently, genetically is yours anyway. 
So as much as they're colonizing and controlling you, it's almost as if they're trying to put a bug, a nail bite in you to get you from knowing yourself while they're trying to find out everything about you. And so when someone that doesn't look like me comes to me and says, what do you practice? And I say, I practice an African spiritual system. Oh, wow. Amazing. Wow, God. How long have you been doing that? A minute. Brother, sister come up to me and say, what do you practice? I said, West African system. Oh, you don't believe in God? I never said that. Well, do you believe in Jesus? My answer is, do you? Yes. It's all that matters. See, the thing of it is, we've been colonized, compromised to believe in things we don't understand. Steve, the one that told you when you do that, you suffer. What they now call us practitioners as superstitious is because their superstition is that they're afraid we're going to get it. They're afraid we're going to get it. The most hated system on the planet is voodoo, but it is the one system that was used to throw, overthrow a Western power in the history of mankind. An island defeated a superpower. And what they did, they demonized it to the point that its own people were rejected. See, a person of a minority has to be more manipulative than a the, than the person of a majority. That's why they say things like the minority of people that run the world what they say control uh, 10% controls 90% of the world or something like that. And the other 10% work for the 90%, something in that area. Now, if you were born or contracted to be very, very uh, prosperous based upon Western capitalistic system, I shed it. But the amazing thing in, in, in most quote unquote non-industrialized nations, that we see on National Ge Geographic and we see on all these shows like uh, Morgan Freeman, the story of uh, what is God and who is God. A lot of us are taken into a world of mystery and we say, wow, that's fascinating. But yet we look up and we say, yeah, but I wouldn't want to be there because they don't have running water. They don't have flushing toilets. On your worst day in corporate America, on the worst day of your job, what would you opt for? To get the hell out of there? or go somewhere that don't have a running toilet. I took the place that didn't have a running toilet. Because see, my spirit and my soul needed to be fed. How I used the bathroom didn't matter at that time. They had a lush toilet at corporate. Hell, they had somebody there to wash your hands for you, give you some cologne and perfume. Generational changes require sacrifices. Most black folks have lost the power of sacrifice. We don't want to give up anything. If 40% of the people in this area decide not to pay the cable company cable to reduce the price, do you know they would have to listen to you? But the fact that you're going to be inconvenienced because you can't watch your favorite programs will not allow you to go protest. If the electric company knew that 40%, 35% of the people were not going to pay their bills and they cut your electricity off for 14 days, 
and you still didn't pay them, they would have to succumb to what you want. Why won't you do that? I don't want to be inconvenienced. Well, what if a storm comes and does it anyway? There's nothing wrong with looking at the storm being a teacher of how you should sacrifice sometimes to simply just get back to the basics. Why don't you turn off all your electricity just one day of the week and run candles? Why don't you turn off your refrigerator for a day? Ain't nothing goes for it. Most of it is artificial, preservative. Anyway, the freezer ain't on freeze. It's the little things that keeps your sanity. Generational changes require sacrifices. Young black people got out of march. They said Black Lives Matter. Next thing I know, everybody hate Black Lives Matter because some white guy supposedly financed it. Anything you do on national television, somebody is behind it. My brother is a former member of the People's Party who knew the Black Panthers, worked with the Black Panthers. They were always infiltrated. He said, we've seen Judas and the Black Messiah, most of us. We've heard the story of the Black Panthers. We've heard stories of where white people had to run the Cuba because they was part of the movement. They were infiltrated. So we said, well, I don't, I don't watch television. What well, the government's watching me? Then they said, hold on, let me answer my phone. I don't use email because they can read my email. I just send text messages. We're, we're, that's what makes people call us conspiracy theorists. Never be absence of your intelligence. A generational change does not require for you to be the smartest person. It just requires for you not to be absence of your intelligence. Because there is something in you that every time the earth shifts and moves, every time the day ends and starts, whenever it moves, you move, whether you know it or not. My godchildren heard me say the 21st of every month on this planet, more so the 20th at 6 p.m., wherever you are, to that 24-hour period, something is going to shift, change, and move even if it's on a minor scale, every month. And people have reported, man, that's true. Yeah, I can remember this. I can remember that. But that's also the time of shifting of the houses in the Zodiac. That is also the date and time of every equinoctial and a, a, a change in seasons. You can't gamble till you're 21. You can't drink till you're 21. You can't drive till you're 21. You can't vote till you're 21. Why is it 21? What is, why 21? Go to Vegas and Atlantic City, you hit the blackjack table. You, you want 21. What is this 21? If you know anything about Kemet and the 42 affirmations of Ma'at, the 21st affirmation is, I have not violated sacred times and seasons. Why is that important? The first number is considered three. Not one, not two, but three. One is a nothingness. Two is the something 
in the nothingness that begins to move to give birth to the one. The second and important number is seven, is silicon. That's why you go into the Bible in the book of Revelation, they're revealing, it talks about seven churches and seven dragons and seven books and seven seals and seven this and seven that. And then you come out here and you say, oh, I know about the seven chakras. They say, oh, well, you don't want to study that. And if you take those two together, of what they mean, and through mathematics, you come out to 21, which is also silical. But it's a higher silical number. It's not a master number like 11 and 22 and 33. The 21 is very, very significant. In Ephah, it is the number of the deity we call Eshu, the opener of the way. He's a kind of like in Christianity, he's the messianic character. He is the one that governs the nervous system, communication. His planet is governed by Mercury. We often say Mercury is in retrograde. And he filed, we say, no, it's just Eshu doing his thing. He governs confusion. He also governs clarity and focus. He also governs your doubts, fears, and insecurities. Think about that. The 21st of every month, a change is going to come at the crossroads of your life. The ancient wisdom, the sacred science of who and what you are, has always been with you. It's in your blood. Your ancestors that laid down the knowledge and the information, that too is also in your blood. So that's why nothing in nature needs a book. So why do you depend on the book? Fourth question. What book are you depending on? So everybody got these four questions so far? So far, y'all got these four questions. Who don't have these four questions? You didn't, you didn't get them? Okay, check with your neighbor. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, you are blessed. I believe you. Give me them questions. So the question that I asked myself uh, quite a while ago, I'm a young 63, and I was watching Judas and the Messiah the other night with my godchildren, and we was breaking down the movie. You know, if you ever watch a movie with Bob Finley, you're not going to watch it all the way through. I'll go tell you, pause it. And then after a while, you're going to say, hold on, pause it, Bob. Now, do I know everything? Of course not. Do I know some things? Absolutely. Especially those things that occurred when I was seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, and ten years old. There are actually people did not know I was around when Dr. King got shot. Yes, I was. I was about 10. And I remember it. I only heard about Malcolm. I remember when Kennedy got shot. Because of the talk of the grown people, the talk of the elders. Watching Judas and the Black Messiah brought back a lot of memories, especially the soundtrack. The other thing that really got my attention was not just the people, my godchildren who I was watching with, but just hearing feedback from people around the country that I talked to that were angry. One of my godchildren said, I'm just tired of watching movies like this. And I said, you know, yeah, but what if you lived it? I know y'all hate me to bring up this, but see, when I was in the second grade after integration, 
And I had a beautiful all-black school, Turner Elementary. All my neighborhood people, that's where we went. We literally got on a bus and had to ride away to our school. If I walked out my backyard at our house, if I walked out the backyard, it wasn't a big backyard. If I walked out my backyard into my neighbor's backyard behind me, and if I walked down that driveway and I crossed that street, I would be on the campus of the elementary school that was in my neighborhood, but we could not go to. We didn't know why my mama moved. But when she moved, we didn't understand why we couldn't go to that school. But right after the year we moved in there, we had we would we could go to the school. So here I am, you know, I'm a smart kid. You know, even after second grade, I won spelling bees, geography bees. You know, I was a good kid, I was a smart kid. I was from a family of educators. My 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 mom, my grandparents, my great grandparents was all educators, started schools in East Texas. So failure was not an option when it came to education. So it was a routine at the house. Second grade, I'm sitting in Mrs. Ellis' class, now at the new McGregor Elementary School in Third Ward. She gives a question. I'm here with a few of my people from the community, a few other little, uh, and I'll just say this, as, 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 as African-American kids, class was probably split. So we got these other white kids in there. Teacher asks a question, no one answers. Teacher asks a question again, no one answers. Now, both times I've raised my hand. Now, if I'm, at, if, if I'm at my black school, my teacher says, I know what she'd say, Stephen. Because I had this hesitation, because I stammered a lot. And she would, I would hold, and she'd see my hand, she'll say, Stephen. And I would raise, yeah, I know the answer. So when I went to this school, same thing. Teachers didn't call me. Now, I'm sitting here watching these little kids. <laughs> and I didn't say anything, but then finally just blurted out. I blurted out the answer, and it was correct. Teacher walks over, looks at me, looks down at me. I'm a kid in a chair. She comes way back. <sighs> And told me as long as I was black and in her classroom, don't ever ask no question. Don't ever raise my hand. Well, I did what the teacher asked me to. That's what I was told. I didn't ask no more questions. Went home and told my mama that day. When they came up there with everybody in the neighborhood the next day, the teacher lost her job. Now, this was, these are my experiences. So when someone tells me, what do you think about these generational changes? I often say, I'm really proud at a lot of these young brothers and sisters that are out here walking, marching, and speaking up. Because that's what I'm used to. There are things I'm not used to. There are things I don't think I'll ever be used to because I'm not wired to get it. If I met you walking down the street, it was, what's happening, brother? What's up, my sister? Power to the people. Right on. Can you dig it? Look out. That was our saying. It wasn't about look out for me. The thing was, when you are out and about in these times, look out. You got to stay focused. You got to be about it. Somehow we didn't transfer it over to dogs, hoes, bitches. 
I'm not going to go down the road to try to take away anybody who's trying to make a living off their music. But I got to be honest, and I'm just going to go out on the lane. I'm old school. I don't know what that is. There's no more instruments. I think Mint Condition was the last band. Now it's just a bunch of people with microphones. Can you spit? Does anybody know how to play a guitar, some drums, keyboard? Does anybody understand what a real musician is? That was a program that came out 15, 10 years ago. P. Diddy, Making a Band. I was watching with my children one day. I sat down with I said, okay, this is cool, making the band. After about 15, 20 minutes, I say, now, what's the name of this show? Making the band. I say, where's the band? And they say, no, Pop, it's the group. I said, no, there ain't no band. That's a group. Like the Temptations, the Four Tops. No, it's a band. I said, that ain't no band, man. Band. Look up band. Don't y'all have a band at y'all school? Yeah. Do they have microphones? No. They playing tubas and drums and horns and stuff. So see how the terminology has changed? So is this what a band is? People just sing? Now, I ain't got nothing against vocals. But I'm just saying how things change. 1979, Sugar Hill came, came on the scene. That wasn't the first rap music. That was just the first most popular rap album. As time went by, we saw a lot of music come in. Two years ago, I celebrated the 30, 30th anniversary of Public Enemy's song, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 1989, another, another summer. Anybody remember that? Some of y'all wasn't born, okay. All right, Bobby, Timmy, go down another path. See, the thing is, that music meant something to me because of the time I came up in, we were coming out of so-called integration, which wasn't the best thing. My mother's famous saying with integration was, now that you can go sit next to the white man on the toilet, now you think your shit don't stink either. So integration was not the best thing. What we lost track of, we was looking for civil rights, taxation without representation. Give me liberty or give me death. Why should I pay taxes unto you and I, can't, and I cannot receive the same civil services? I'm paying water bill, but I can't go drink the water. I'm paying uh, taxes for parks and rec, but I can't go to the civil rights. There's nothing about closing up your neighborhood. But the, the colonization, the compromising was so heavy on us. Even in that fight, the conditioning was more so toward, I'm gonna, I gotta get next to you. I gotta stay next to you. A little bit better way of understanding that because I was talking to my godson the other night. He asked me, what do you think the big, the big shift was, Bible? I say, for, for you guys or for us? Well, for you guys. The big change for us was Our socioeconomic situation led to an expanded job class or job position within buildings we had. And to break that down a little bit better, what I told him was, what has manifested is this. Most Nigerians in this country work in pharmaceuticals, medical building, or some type of medical staffing. 
Most Ethiopians in this country, if they're not in the medical field, somehow they're connected to a lot of parking lots. If you go into the Southeast Asian Indian people, they have a very strong affiliation in markets, festival fleet type markets, and hotels. If you go into the Vietnamese and the Koreans, they control what was called penny merchants, dry cleaning, restaurants, stop and shops, where you go in and get things done very quickly. The Koreans, we now know, control most of the black hair care product market. If you go into the Japanese who control manufacturing, if you go to the predominant the Jewish people who control distribution. If you go into the European community, it's real estate. You can see a Latin community. They control construction, road and home building, landscape. So what do we do? I'm asking. Here's what I told him. Do you know that the majority, the overwhelming majority of African American people in this country still work in civil service, state, local, state, and federal government positions? Phone companies, parts and rec, light company. If you go into government offices, even in DC, any of those buildings of services, we are there. If you go into any downtown area where it deals with municipalities and court systems, we are there. Jailers, clerks. How is it, rather than building enterprise, we still continue to look at our elevation in getting jobs with 401ks and retirements based upon who hires us. Now this is no incentive to go out and quit your job tomorrow. But it's an observation of the compromise and colonization that we still up under. You built the White House and you are the primary employer of it. Employee. If you go into most government and city services, you are the majority of the employees there. The Spanish are coming very close behind because they can speak both languages, especially where I'm from in South Texas. This is not a beat up black folk situation. This is an observation when you start talking about the generation and the changes. And the question is, the fifth question is, are you a generation of change? That's it. It doesn't have to be anything monumental. I had my day. I'm sure some of the brothers and sisters, I'll see y'all a little hint of great. Y'all may have done y'all marching. Somebody say, did you get out there and march with Black Lives Matter? I said, I had my shot. My nephew was out there. My cousin was out there. It's their turn. But, 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 but I'm just saying, are you down with us? I've always been down with it. I have no choice. I'm initiated into the stuff. <laughs> Generation changes, as I say, require sacrifices. Question six, what are you here to make sacrifice to bring change into your life?
The second part of the question that I asked answered for my godson was what they did to you all. That is under the age of probably 33 or maybe close to that uh, 35. Here's how I think. This is my opinion how they got you. They got you through your music. They took that blue note away from you. They took that, they took a certain Roberta Flack, Donnie Hathaway, they definitely took Marvin Gaye away from you. Song called Still One Run Deep by the Four Tops used to make black folks cry. Marvin Gaye's I Want You, 1976, everybody fell in love. Barry White came around with that deep voice and some words. You didn't even have to, man, you didn't have to talk to the sisters tonight. You just say, listen to this, baby. <laughs> well, there you go. That's my man, you know what I'm talking about. And all you said it was, sounds good. You know, that was a sense of decency. Not that everything was perfect. You've always had issues in black communities going back Jim Crow and Harlem Renaissance. But you were never at the point where you would hurt each other in the way that you hurt each other now. You would downgrade, denigrate your brother and sister not even know who they are through social media. You will break up with your mate through social media by simply changing your status to single. You don't even have the decency to call somebody up and say, I don't want to be with you anymore. They got you through your music and they've taken away your ability to cultivate intimacy. You don't even dance with each other anymore on the floor. Girls would be in a group over here, and the guys be over there. We used to have to work up the best rap line to go over and ask this sister for a dance. So you got more information. You got more access. You got diverse relationships. You cannot watch two commercials back to back without some diversity. I'm not against that. I think that is the world. I think that's America's dream. But most of us will agree we don't like things being pushed down our throat, that it must be this way. It simply should be that way, but by nature, it is what it is. But when people are controlling things by the way they have inducted you from the time you came here, through your educational, religious, political, economic and geography systems. The generation change that we need now in this Aquarian age is simply, we need to know. Columbus did discover America. And I don't have no disrespect for Italian people. And if that's what they want to celebrate, they want to celebrate. But if you ever got with someone of Native American descent from the Northeast Corridor, they do not celebrate that day, nor do they do Thanksgiving. Frederick Douglass even wrote a speech, why are you celebrating the 4th of July? What independence did you have in 1776? Now we mad at cops for stopping us from buying firecrackers for the 4th of July. He might be doing you a favor. Well, we celebrate our independence. What, from 1776? 
See, a generation is going to change, Baba Seku. It is going to change. And it's going to change because of the laws of nature required, and you will move like she moved. But if your mind stays behind, everything works for the people in charge. The greatest weapon in any war is your strength and your courage to simply say one word, no. And you can follow along with some other colorful metaphors. <laughs> A beautiful sister of Indian descent out of the country of India by the name of Arundhati Roy wrote a book called The God of Small Things. She's an activist. She's also very, very involved with uh, the farmers keeping their seeds away from the government so they can grow like they want. But in the book, The God of Small Things, she said, wars will never be stopped until soldiers put down guns because the people that start them never fight. So they have to condition you to follow orders. And they tell you how you're saving lives. And that is a us versus them. Question is, how did it come to that? Now, everybody loves Michael Jordan. Everybody loves all these great athletes. People ask me in the barbershop, hey, bro, what's, what's, what you think the greatest athlete of all time? I said, Muhammad Ali. Well, he didn't win every fight. And he didn't have to. He won, he won one of the greatest fights for me. What was that? He told the U.S. government, I'm not going to fight you, Walt. Ling Chao Ping, they never called me, nigga. <laughs> I came back from the limit. I can't even go eat where you eat. I got a medal. I can't even go sit where you sit. Now you want me to go fight some little man in the jungle I don't know? They said, off to jail with you. He said, bring it. That's the generational sacrifice you need to make. I'm not saying go to jail for something. I'm saying get out of jail. Stand up for yourself. When that ain't Maddie May come around there with her Bible talking about she gonna put you on the prayer list because you ain't been to church. Tell her the truth. I'm not going, ain't. Baby, the Lord wants you to go. Lord ain't never told me to go. Lord told me to stay away. He never went to church. Did I just lie? What church Jesus went to? Was he a Christian? You say going to the new city, you see a man bearing a pitch of water. That's his return. Here. It's that seven books in Revelation. When you can come out of a beginning, Genesis, the process of a beginning to a revelation, to stand up. As John was on the island of Patmos in the spirit writing this, they say. But it was written way below a long time ago. It's when someone is in the spirit. It said he was in the spirit. And he saw this. And now you say it's so. 
What he's saying to is this is the revealing of you coming into a revelation of self. There'll be ships going throughout the earth that will be in the body and you will take wormwood and wormwood would not even be able to cure you. What does that mean? Because don't no preacher preach that. The ships going throughout the body. The body or the ships in the body. What transport everything in your body? Cells. Wormwood is an earth that deals with parasites. So when you go through your revelation and you all knotted up in your stomach, you go think you're going to take wormwood? No. Those ships, those cells, that DNA activating is you waking up to the Christ energy in yourself. Ain't nobody coming back for us, brother and sister. Ain't nobody going to descend out of no sky like the mothership and get you a job and a mate or take your lactose intolerant behind to heaven for milk and honey. <laughs> it's going to be the work that you do when it returns for you. The generational change you need to make starts with you looking in the mirror and asking the question that I just presented to you. And then you can be about the business of bringing that new energy of knowledge into this generation. In 1992, when President Clinton became president, he attacked a young lady by the name of Sister Soldier. With the help of another lady named C. Dolores Tucker, they went after hip-hop and rap music. NWA, all of them was on the scene. I went to go see NWA. I guess my pastor's advice. Them, them boys singing the devil's word. I said, yeah, but that one song about the police makes a lot of sense down here on MLK Boulevard. So we went. My boys were young. They couldn't go. So I tell them the story about it. And I look, I remember the energy of people just, they were feeling it. And then the government shut it down. And East Coast and West Coast start fighting over things that they didn't even own. And they start killing each other. And now, People say hip-hop music does not glorify violence. It doesn't glorify violence. But it's as if you can't make a song that doesn't depict some type of violence in it. That's a long way from the Temptations. That's a long way from Marvin Gaye. Brother, brother, it's far too many of us dying. Mother, mother, mother. What, what happened to that? Now, I like some good soca music. I like some good dance music. But does everything have to be undressed? Does everything have to be grabbing and showing your drawers? Is there any diversity? I like the Wu-Tang Clan. I like some of the songs that come out. But I often tell my sons who are 38, 37, 36, and 18, 
Is there anything else? So they were, they're exposed to Earth, Wind, and Fire. I want you to listen to some real music. Band music. And I want you to close your eyes and listen to the instruments. And my third son says, Pop, that's a big difference from what I'm hearing here and what Drake is saying. I say, yeah. I ain't got nothing against Drake. He kind of favored my third son. The thing of it is, is that somehow the powers that be knew that something inherently in melanated people that they hear that they don't hear. Rock music. I don't know what that is, but I knew what it was when Jimi Hendrix came. Purple Haze made everybody high. Even if you didn't do LSD, heroin, and smoke weed, you was high. Tina Turner rolling on roof. That stuff got you high. Watch what you're listening to. Watch what you're hearing. Parents, watch what your children are listening to. Don't settle for it because it's their generation. It's their music. The problem with my generation, they dropped the ball because they didn't teach. They didn't pass it on. Pass on your music to your children. We, my mom, passed on the family history to us. I passed it to my children. I gave them the music. It does, I'm not demanding they play Earth, Wind, and Fire only. Four tops. I'm not demanding they do that. I just think they need a choice. Jesus said, go into the new city, the new city of peace. And we have to go back sign Kofa style and get something to go into that new city that our ancestors left. For this generation to make new, for this generation to stay strong, for this generation to expand in its strength, it needs our help. It needs, they need an understanding of choices. The only thing I knew coming up was when I walked into that building, that was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed savior up there that never smiled. And somehow he loved me. And that he was going to make everything right. But I got sped on. I watched, I heard about my leaders dying. That was supposed to be working for him. Then I began to read his story. He got shot. So then I had to mature and get wise to understand when it said, Jesus said, you will do far greater things than me. And I say that not just because it's Sunday and it sounds like church. I say that because for some of us, that's where we came from. And some of us was only told that book. We never read that book. And for those that read that book, never studied that book. I studied that book. It got me kicked out of church. I say I shed. And I say this with love. You can't just run up to me and pump me with information. See, I made a joke about COVID. Somebody say, Bobby Femi, you go take that vaccination. I say, I might. No, you don't want to do that, man. Ain't no telling what's up in there. Man, they got nanobites, they put all up in so-and-so this and so-and-so that. I said, let me tell you a story right quick. 
I didn't say I was going to take it. I said if I had to take it, I would. Here's why. Brother, I grew up on government cheese, powdered milk, cheese that don't melt, pressed ham. Spam out the can with some jelly on the side. I don't know what that stuff was. My parents gave me something called goose liver. We had something called pressed ham. I have yet to find pressed ham in a store. We ate chitlins. My mother gave us, we took, went down. I still got marks on my arm. I was showing people the other day. I took measles, mumps, chicken pox, rubella, diphtheria, polio, booster, TB. I've been to Africa. I've taken malaria. I've taken yellow fever. There might be some truth. We baby kids. <laughs> And I tell people, and if there's something wrong with me, why are you people sitting out here listening to me? Everywhere I go, you gonna speak? Y'all know how many shots, immunizations, they had to go back for boosters? Back in the day, if you want to get a job at Burger King, you gotta take a TV skin test? I don't even know if they do that now. So I, I took a flu shot. In the fall of 1976, two weeks later, the first time in my life, I caught the flu. I haven't taken it since, haven't had the flu since. Oh, after you had that shot. No, I didn't take it no more. I found out the power of things like vitamin C and zinc, prevention. What you start doing when flu season comes, lower your acid, your acidic food intake. Build up the alkaline immune system works faster. So when people say you don't scare you go catch COVID, no, I probably already had. Probably had in third grade. That's why I saw the back of the lights all came out. <laughs> I mean, who gonna catch COVID even pickle pig feet out of a jar, man? COVID saw me and said, uh-uh. That's a whole variant we wouldn't know. But that's for a lot of us. I'm not trying to be arrogant or egotistical. I'm just saying, don't lose your brain cells behind taking or not taking a vaccine. It's your choice. Just know you have one. I say generational changes, and I end right here, are all about the information of where you came from and where you're going to go. And when you can stay focused, and you can stay rational with that, trust me, your ancestors and your higher self, whatever supreme entity is out there, is not going to let you fail. I should. Thank you very much. Don't go anywhere, Bob. All right. I just wanted to do a quick moment uh, to leave uh, it. Uh, we're going to go now into Q&A. We're going to continue recording the Q&A as well. So uh, if you have a question for Baba, you'll be able to sit right here and ask him, and uh, then we'll capture that. And then after we've captured the Q&A, if you don't want to go on the camera, but you still want to ask a question with us, then we'll allow you to come up here as well. But before we do that, a quick housekeeping uh, note. Hi everyone, my name is Rukia, I'm Seiko's daughter. Um, probably passed me when you came in. 
I am selling brownies for a dollar and then vegan chocolate chip cookies for a dollar fifty each. I take cash, PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. And card, yes. I think that's it. Thank you for your time. All right, any, any, uh, any, any, are there any NSU Spartans in the house? Uh, yeah, she's a Spartan as well. So. Support your Spartan. Support your fellow Spartan. Okay. All right, so Q&A time. So the question is, how do we make generational change? But you may have a different question. So if you have a different question, come on up now. Chris, come on up here, Chris. <laughs> Wah, wah, wah. Now, he may need he may need more time, as he always say. <laughs> we had a couple people who had prepared to uh, ask questions. Come on, bro. <laughs> it's like that. That's, my, that's, my, that's my that's my inquisitive guy, son. He did tell me to give it forty eight hours. Yes. I ain't got a question yet. I had 24 left. I don't know. How y'all doing? Um, really? So, how's your day, Bob? How's everything going? You know, my favorite day of the week is and I don't have to go to church no more because I'm a grown person. I don't have to. So you graduated? I graduated. I said? I said. <laughs> Anybody else have any other questions? That was mine. Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> you want one in? You want one in? How about you over there? Roger? All right. All right. Well, good, Chris. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. If you got one, just holler at me. Come on back. We got 24 more Gotcha. Well, then I have a couple of questions. I want to give everybody their chances first. Um, so, Bobby, you mentioned uh, some of the political things that are happening. All right. So, based upon your your art, what types of things should we be watching politically if we're going to make change? For me, in my experience, and for what little I know about politics, uh, national politics always seem to be a far reach. Local politics is what I think most people need to focus on. Now, I'm not telling you don't vote for a president, don't vote for something on a national level, but towards the local level, the most important thing starting with school boards. You got to know what's being put into these children's minds. Now, well, I homeschool my kids, my kids go to private school. Good for you. How does that help your community? What are your children spread? What are your children, uh, you know, how can others be led by your example? Because everybody can't afford private school. Everybody can't afford to stay home and homeschool their kids. Now, COVID has forced some things. It's almost like there's a forced experiment with COVID. But urban politics, in my opinion, is the most important thing. What some people don't know, if you go down to your uh, your local government, that should be a map on the wall okay. that has a 30-year plan of your area. 30-year plan. A 30-year plan, which is equated to your 30-year mortgage. So they've already planned generations of what certain areas are going to be. Like that empty Sears, if we all got together and had the money for what it's worth, they probably wouldn't sell it to us. Mm -hmm. Did anyone just see a special about a family that was just awarded money in Los Angeles for a property of a beach 
that they bought for $2,000 in Manhattan Beach that's now worth $75 million, and the city had to give it to them. Right. Because they had declared eminent domain in the area that they still could not take the real estate title from the people. They never gave them a chance. So they now got to pay the family millions of dollars. And it's almost a 100-year-old wait that they had to wait. See, see, the thing of it is, is that we say, wow, 100 years. But for them, that is only three generations. For them, that's three generations. So let's say John Doe or ABC Development Company okay. is working with county controllers and local city officials about relocating grade cemetery. And they're planning a development of housing. All they got to do is get an elected official to agree. You can protest all you want. But if that elected official that you elected, or even cheatingly was selected, <laughs> what happens? They get to be part of a 30-year plan. Now, John Doe is dead. But John Doe Jr. is alive and he inherited that. So now there's another 30 year cycle. See, that's how they deal with generation. Because when you know you're a minority, when your society is based, it's fear based, because you know your extinction is near, you try to prepare, just like you would in a hurricane or a volcano coming. You prepare. Politics is ruthless. And you don't have to be politically savvy. You just need to know what is going on. Simple thing. Schools and urban politics. I sure. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right. So I've noticed, and I might be off, but I've noticed that there are more of our children who have challenges. There's more anxiety. There's more health issues. There's more autism. What are the what what is what what are your arts informing you that we need to start paying attention to? That is a broad, broad spectrum. For, for one thing, the easiest thing to speak about is diet. Okay. Types of foods. Most parents don't cook anymore. It's a microwave society. It's a fast food society. You got kids out here, 12, 13 year old DoorDash. It's it's <laughs> it's convenient. Remember, America is a culture of convenience. I can buy a can of Coke for 50 cents at Harris Teeter or Kroger, but if I go into 7-Eleven, it's gonna cost me 75 cents, but it's a convenience store. So a microwave society convenience is what sells in America. We don't understand in the natural order they're making us more and more lazy. So they're pumping us up with more and more food to keep us working and staying around longer. And so we look at kids now. When I came up, not that it wasn't, I don't remember women having children before seven months. I don't remember. I always thought it was nine months. Okay. I never heard about he came early or she came early. I never heard that talk. I didn't hear much about breast cancer. I, Sure didn't hear much about prostate. I say that because there's a generation that if something was on us, because we go all the way back to the early 30s with the Tuskegee experiment, 
and go back to what they did with West Virginia in the 40s and certain other societies and villages, even the poor whites experiments. You know, those are kind of like obvious things, but systematically, spiritually, it's contracts. Contracts, spiritual contracts are what you inherited from your ancestors in the blood, the tissue, okay. the heart. Right. When you look at what autism represents, and most of us trace it to a, a type of an inability to learn or function. Look at some of these leaders, how they function and all they really learn. You got leaders don't even know where Egypt is. <laughs> right. You got people running for president, getting countries wrong. You would think the people they're gonna do politics with, they would at least know where it is. True, true. So I'm saying it as an example. This generation of illness, whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, or emotional, comes from somewhere. And if it's tied to the blood, then that means there are people in this room or people in this room who came from someone that were not mentally, spiritually, emotionally healthy. Let me, let me share this story with you. Because it deals a lot with spirit, energy, and, and, and my craft. Okay? I'm going to try to make it as, as, as uh, short as possible. And, and y'all allergies, that's why I'm doing this here. Because that them green little worms that are falling off y'all tree. Somehow it's doing my right eye, I say, but I'm good. Anyways. Hey, Papa, while you're preparing your question, I want to check some of the questions and comments from the viewers online sure, and see sure. if there's anything I need to pose to you. Okay? Okay. okay. Many years ago, I had a goddaughter. Uh, before she was a goddaughter, she used to go see this Vietnamese psychic. Dude is, dude, I mean, this dude is very, very powerful. He sees like 30 to 60 people a day, six days a week down in Houston. Uh, Oprah Winfrey came down one time to get him to go on the show. He declined. It just don't work that way. He and I, I used to go see him before I got into E5. I thought he was very, very cool. Well, she went to go see him prior to me ever meeting her. And he told her, because she would go to him, she was a, a sister, she was a, a lesbian. Uh, hopefully I'm using the right words these days. Yeah, that changes, right? I, you know, forgive me if I'm using the wrong word. Uh, but she went to him and he told her that there's someone coming for you. You should follow him. He's going to help you know yourself better. A short while later, when I came, he told me I want to have someone call you. She called me. When she called me, we struggled for friendship. She became a practitioner of E5. One of the things I did for my godchildren, I got them together one evening, and I brought in a well-known psychic who I had the opportunity of meeting. And this particular psychic, I mean, really, really, really powerful sister, uh, nationally known, she's been on a couple of TV shows. I did a read for her. She, she gave me a reading, so I asked her, would she come out and talk to some of my godchildren? And so she did. She came out, and everybody was sitting around the room just like this, and, the, and she you know, talked about a lot of things. But one of the things she did was she was going to go to each one person and give them a reading. Okay. It's like a movie, so I'm going to go back to my goddaughter. My goddaughter started out, she was not a lesbian. She was heterosexual, 
She dated. She had a son. The father of this son was also sleeping with another woman. Got her pregnant. So some baby daddy, baby mama drama. Both of the sisters were not doing well financially. So one particular day at social services where they were both having to run across each other with their children getting assistance. The beef that they had escalated. They began to fight. Two of the girls jumped on my soon-to-be goddaughter. In her defense, she fell on a clerk's desk, got a letter open, and defended herself. She killed one of the girls. She went to trial for self-defense. She was winning the case until her father, a pastor, got on the stand and just berated her behind her lifestyle. Judge has a change of heart and gives her five years. She goes into the prison system. She becomes a lesbian. She comes out. She's rejected by her family. She starts going to see as Vietnamese because she's no longer in God's favor. She's no longer in Jesus' favor. So that's why she started going to see the Vietnamese guy. Vietnamese guy sent her to me. I, you know, me and her became very close. So the evening the psychic came, the psychic goes up to her and she stops and she channels. She says, not knowing her, she says, the woman that you killed is coming through me. And she says, thank you. Because in a past life, you, she killed you. Because you were a man and very abusive to women. And now in this life, you must become a lover of women. She never knew she was gay. Everybody got chills. People passed out. You can only imagine. So when she got running, some people said, I don't want to know anything. I got some stuff. I don't want to. So I say that because that story is real. It's true. This sister ended up writing a book called The Other Side of Life. She became a priest. But because the men in her life were so damaging to her, she created a sickness that the doctors could never pinpoint what it is. She stayed away from me and started going to another priest and started doing ritual after ritual after ritual after ritual, exasperated all her funds, her mate, all of them, they were barging their house to pay all this stuff. And what happened, the mate started to borrow, borrow money from other godchildren, and me and her had a conversation. And they, they finally came back and said, we apologize you know, for leaving. I said, listen, you have to find the best journey for you. And so what I told her was, I said, Felicia, until you let go of what these men did to you, you're not going to cure yourself. There's no doctor, no medicine. This is spiritual. And she said, Baba, I can't. Eight months, six months later, she died. See, this is what I'm saying when people say, you practice an African system. Why are you taking in these people of the same sex? I said, because I feel their history. I feel that they need to have an understanding of who and where, and where they came from. See, that's my purpose in life. I ain't here to judge you. I'm here to help you get an understanding of who and what you are. I may not even know what that is, but I'm here to help you. And see, the thing is, we 
don't understand what's been taken from us because when we were there, when you were born, they did a ritual, a ceremony called an essentiae to know what every child was, what lineage it came from, how many generations he or she goes back, what is he or she to do? Is this child going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an educator? Are they going to be a construction worker? They knew how to plot the course of their children. We got a Christian. They put some water in us because we was born in sin. That doesn't make sense. The knowing, the knowledge of things is where we are, and that has to come back. So what's in our blood, the memories, the contracts of our ancestors, has to be healed. And when healing us or healing them, in my opinion, you'll get your repairing or your reparations. Until then, that's those ancestors' money. It's not our money yet. We haven't earned it because we're disrespecting them by not honoring them. And you're carrying their memories in your blood. How dare you ignore what they did? And you want someone to pay you for what they did, for you to run out to the mall and stimulate the economy? If I was an ancestor and that was the case, I wouldn't give you a dime. Do you deserve it? Absolutely. But do you even know why you deserve it? Well, we were slaves. Some of you were never slaves. Some of you in the bloodline were never slaves. Some of you in the bloodline was, was part of slavery. Let's be real, people. You're running around with some people that's melanated that was never from the bloodline of a slave. You may be in the bloodline of being a society doing you wrong. Like Malcolm said, you ain't get pulled over because you're a Democrat or Republican. You got pulled over because you're black. And that's my opinion. Based upon my craft. Okay. So I wanted to tell that story. I don't want to be in some fantasy world by telling you about ancestors. Because when you start going to them and lights start flickering and, and stuff start falling off the wall, <laughs> don't run out the door. <laughs> don't run out the door. No, it's, it's time to be spiritual. Religion is the child of spirituality. Religion means to reconnect back because you're disconnected from something, which is yourself. Once you get yourself, now you can go forward. You can spiral. That's, in my opinion, is what God's language is. All right, um, my last question, because you've answered so much. I mean, the question was, how do we make generational change? And you talked about planning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you talked about healing. Mm -hmm. In one of our conversations on the channel, Our Black Empowerment, find us on YouTube, the question was a theological question. The question was, Will Jesus fix it? And we talked about the evils, the challenges of domestic violence, violence upon women, substance abuse, and poverty. And the question was, will, not can, <laughs> will Jesus fix it? And you answered primarily saying, the Yeshua inside of you, that anointed one inside of you can fix it. You have to stop waiting for someone else to fix it. And I'm going to stand by there. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I want to ask the question again. Because our community, our generation, our world needs some change. 
in specific to violence upon women, in specific domestic and partner abuse, in specific substance abuse, and in specific poverty? I know you've already answered the question, mm -hmm. but can you just sum that up or maybe say it in a different way? I answered it when I was speaking about the different groups, ethnic groups, and where they make their money and how they create their enterprise. Now, I'm not saying black folks don't have no business. I'm not saying we don't have enterprise. I'm not saying we don't make a lot of money. It's what we do with our money. We have a very strong genetic deficiency. It's called a petty gene. <laughs> and it's something that keeps us from getting over that hump by little things. You know, I watched a movie with Denzel the other night called The Little Things. And what he kept saying, they don't say on the title, it's the little things that get you caught. We're very good at mastering big things, but the little things, we just can't seem to get past. Everybody in here wants economic power. Every Kwanzaa, Coochie Chocolate. But what happens Valentine's Day? You can spend all your money. <laughs> <laughs> rings and things. You know, <laughs> we should we really have to set aside a week to support black business or black restaurants? When's the last time you seen a Chinese person in your restaurant? When's the last time you seen Thai people come eat your food? When's the last time you come see a Nigerian and Jamaican come eat your food? Oh, I'm gonna eat some Caribbean food. I'm gonna eat some Thai food. When did that came and ate your food? Even if it's just fried chicken and barbecue, who have you seen in your restaurant other than you? I'm just saying. When we say, or you ask the question, will Jesus fix it? And I responded, no. Because if he could, he would have. He had a first round seat on the shores of Elmina, watching us being put on ships. See, he ain't fixing nothing. That sounded like he was part of a plan. Was it to just debilitate us as a people? I don't think so. It's something we haven't gotten, people. That's something started way over there. It just didn't start here. Something there wasn't right to be allowed. We can't worship a God and a Savior that allowed something to happen and not understand why. That makes no sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense to me. Not understand why. Because you're repeating it, but you look sharper now. <laughs> you just got a bigger house and a car. Right. But you're still locked into that compromising position, and that's why I said earlier, Instead of saying, what are we going to do about this police brutality, that effect, let's get to the cause. Why do they think they can come into your neighborhood and get away with it? Because that may be something you need to change the way you think. A linear government has no reason to change the way that they think if it's working. Right? 
we can get more black police officers. Somehow they seem to stand by and let this white cop do whatever he wants to do. No one in that moment holds him accountable. I've seen it on video. Brother, and then you want to come and say, oh, look, I'm from here. I can't tell. <laughs> to see the career, the job, the position becomes higher than the integrity. That's what I said earlier. You're not operating within the capacity of your own integrity. Who are you? Wasn't that part of the question? And see, that's the thing that I'm speaking about. I don't want people to think I'm anti-Jesus or anti-Christian. I'm not. Most of my clients can be Christians at times. Because you know what they want to do? They want to know. Because sometimes believing and hoping and wishing and praying just don't get it. Sometimes we people, we just want to know. I personally think that every person of color out there in the world should have at least one divination from a good priest to have an indication of where you came from, where you are, and where you're going. If I don't see you for another five years, at least you got something to work with. That's all. And see, the thing is, and I, and I got to say this, I have nothing against Yeshua. I even got a nickname for him. I call him Jerusalem Sun. <laughs> I think the brother had all good intentions. But he got shot for messing with the wrong government. And we need to ask why. It was his own people. Message. <laughs> you see? Okay. I should. I'm going to start taking collection. You know it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it works, right? It works, right? It works. All right, well, um, and it, what's interesting is when I asked my pastor, will you be on the show and talk about will Jesus fix it? No response. When I asked my friends who are part of the clergy, you know, because I, you know, no response. You gave a response. What do you think? I said, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So uh, we can stop recording. And if anyone else wants to ask some questions about Bible, uh, you don't have to be on camera. Oh, oh now you got a question. <laughs> I think she had one as far as yeah, yeah. sister right here. Well, you don't have to come up here. You can ask me seats now. We're good. So, in reference to your statement about the small group, one of the things that's really standing out to me. Uh, about the conversation you had with us today about instrumental music being taken out of what we consider mm -hmm. music and dance and such. How does instrumental music and how does instrumental music in um, your expertise, how does that really affect an individual when we hear it? Because you made a comment about we need to pay attention to what we're listening to. Mm -hmm. And that's what instrumental music in one of the ways that we got away from certain things. And is that even correlated to our blood and our ancestors and things of, of that nature? How can instrumental music affect us? Absolutely. Uh, before I answer, let me start with an example. Some of you may remember that uh, back in the 70s, it was something very popular that they would actually play classical instrumental music for certain animals, and the animals would go to sleep. Uh, I listened to Sometimes I download 
the music of the ocean to go to sleep. When I feel restless, I'll literally listen to water. Music, the term music comes the savage beast is more, more of an acronym of an unsettled spirit that needs to be brought down. There is an instrument some of you may know called a tuning fork. Before they would cut you open in antiquity, they would literally get the tuning fork and hold it in the area where you were hurting because the tuning fork was an instrument. And this is why the parts of your body will call organs. Because they operate on a vibration. And the tuning fork was to align them back in their proper rhythm. To cut someone open and get to the problem. In some people's eyes, it's very archaic. I'm not saying surgery is not needed, but even certain doctors will operate on you with music in the background. Music and certain notes, certain tones are designed to work with your organs, certain instruments. A baby that is born knows nothing but what's in the blood. You let them hear a drum and they're gonna find a rhythm. I don't care what color the baby is, they're gonna find a rhythm. Because the heart is our drum beat. Boom, 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 boom. And so the, the lower pelvic, they say radiates. And when you feel certain energies from rhythms and drums and beats, this is the area that moves first. You don't even have to move your feet, you just, Right? What happens is what you hear about the Kundalini, the root chakra is open. It's doing what it's designed to do. It is to move you. Dancing is revisiting how you came into existence. The way sex is emotion of two people creating friction. There's a, there's a rhythmic motion. And when you get in sync, we know what happens. But the other thing is, the animal world understands that too. Music is nothing more than the medicine to keep us in alignment. Like some people say, I gotta get out of here, I'm ready to go to happy, I gotta listen to some music. Music takes organs and alignment. In war, they were taking Iraqi soldiers and turning up rock music to a higher volume to disturb their mentality. Why they didn't use classical? Why didn't they use drum beats? They needed something to disturb their ori. And when we listen to music, and Goodman would just close our eyes. You and I was listening to music the other day. Marvin Gaye came on. We knew every song. We just closed our eyes. Stylistics were playing. We just closed our eyes. The instruments, the words, synchronized to bring you into a place of spirit being put in alignment. 
So it's important to what you're listening to. You can feel good listening to a song of wretched words, but if the beat is good, you go dance. When Kirk Franklin came out with Stone, they would play it at the club, nobody wanted to dance. Why? Well, it's a religious song. But the beat for the Negroes that didn't go to church, <laughs> uh, we were throwing down. So everybody say stone. You know, and the Christian folks who was going to go to church the next morning, I'm not, I can't dance out that song. But then they came right back out there after another song and dropped it to the floor. Anyway, <laughs> music is the medicine. So don't you always want to take the proper medicine? Yeah, I should. So, bro, have I ever met you before? Have you met me? <laughs> no, um, yeah, you're right. As you were speaking, right, and I've heard you speak a bunch of different times, um, there's one thing in particular that I want to kind of get your experience from. Um, you know, with all the distractions that come at us as we're trying to change, you know, do these, it's, or make this generational change, like, from you, from your perspective throughout your life, because you definitely been a change what are some of the ways to kind of combat those changes you know one of those changes but more of those distractions those things that are going to come in our path that kind of take us off of our alignment what are ways that you know just as you as an example have like kind of went against that to you know continue to make that change that's a beautiful question uh and easily answered for me one of the things i've never done is run away from them. i need to find out why they're here why is it this thing is so strong enough to take my attention away from the thing I really want to do? Is it something that Spirit is trying to show me in the moment that I need to master? And that's really about it. Yesterday we were talking about mastering things, the outcome of things. Distractions are a part of life. They're part of our growth. It's when you let them take precedent, it creates a stumbling block to your success. You have to understand why those things show up. Because they, it's kind of like, it's not like if you if you get ready to walk through a particular building, somebody's doing this, and you got to get there. And you say, why is why is it? And then you stop. And they say, whatever you do, don't go in there. I say, why? Well, they're in there teaching devil worship. Well, what does that really mean? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Is that what really? You came to learn something from wherever this may be, then you continue to go in. The distraction is nothing more, in my opinion, than a sign that when you come out of there, you'll probably have some. The lesson was, I'm going to admit that distraction and still get the lesson. You follow me? I'm going to admit the distraction, I'm going to get the lesson because obviously, Spirit wants me to know whatever I'm going to go get is really when I come out. It's really when I complete the task. I got to be ready for the distraction. Distractions can also be what we equivalent to understanding and obeying our taboos. Certain people have parameters, columns that we need to stay between and walk between. If we go too far to one side, that's why I say you shouldn't eat cornbread. Oh, but you can. So you sway and you eat some cornbread and you choke. <clears throat> okay, this is what it just told you, bro. Don't eat no cornbread. <laughs> so Distractions are not the worst thing. Again, you just need to understand 
what spirit we were trying to tell you at the moment. You just can't let it take precedent and become a permanent thing. That particular type of stress. Okay, we got one more question and then that's it. We're gonna wrap it up. My question is, is it too late? Is it ever a time where you felt as though it may be too late to fix things? Because you know, um, they say a child from birth to five years are who they will be. So for example, someone that might be Having the same issues 42 years now, you know, mm -hmm. is there a, a time where it's like, I'm gonna answer that two ways. First of all, uh, we have to watch our words. A child, child development years. Western society will say things to make us understand this child is broken, bad, and it needs medicine. Now, what I practice, we can often trace it to something spiritual. Can the child be properly put back on the path it's supposed to be on? Absolutely, but if that child is not supposed to be on the path, of what we call normal to a certain age, all we have to do is the work involved. Now that's that's sort of like the spiritual answer. If the child is never looked onto, but is considered normal, especially by the people it came from, who consider that normal, by the time that child is 42 years old, that is probably irreparable. I have a minister who's a friend. He said most people over the age of 55, they're done. As he said, 45. If you're lock stock, dogmatically put into waves at 45 to 49, really, you're done. I'm not trying to convince anyone, definitely my age, of anything. If you believe you need to eat chitlins on the first of the year, eat your funky chitlins. I'm going to do some plant-based stuff. I'm from Texas. I'm going to do some barbecue probably a couple times a year. But I know what I need to do at 63. I don't need to be putting that stuff in my system. I had my fun with Mickey D's. I've had my fun. I seen the other night at cookout. <laughs> but I don't go to cookout every day. The thing that I'm saying is everybody can, can sway a little bit. But never think a child that's born by destiny of what it's supposed to be. It can be what you're trying to say, I believe, can be repaired. But see, the, 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 the trickery is we have to do work to understand exactly what that is. Because if a child is born with what they call an abnormality or a handicap these days. And that child goes into a special education or a special building away from his parents. That is a testimony to where the society is. That your child now belongs to the state for its care because you can't. In certain other countries, I gotta be honest, 
If a child is born that way, depends on where you are, and I know this for a fact, they're going to take that child out to the river and drown it and give it back to the mother. Because that spirit cannot be allowed in that village because it's going to bring disruption. America has built a special place for children like that. I hate to say it's part of the capitalistic machine. Some people will even adopt these children for checks. So that's a, that's a very broad thing, but from a personal standpoint, if I had a child born with what's it diagnosed as something not right, that's a different. But if I have a child that's born and it doesn't seem like it's the proper character behavior, I would need to check with the parents. Well, the, the whole thing about Jesus fixing is bracing on the premise that, that someone is coming back. Someone's going to send out of the sky and make everything right. Okay. My great-grandmother said we were in the last days. My grandmother said we were in the last days. My mother said we were in the last days. My mother died at 94. Now, I'm 63. I can say, well, you're in the last days. What does that mean? Then, if there's a judgment day, then where are these people who transition, where they're going? Catholics say they're in purgatory, they're, they're being held. So now you're talking about for the last 2021 years, there's billions of people being held up for a judgment day. But yet we still say, uh, I hope that they home with the Lord. Okay, which is it? I'm confused. If I'm a child and I'm listening to, I'm confused. You say if I die, I'm going to be judged, but then that's going to be a judgment day. Well, the judgment is going to be for the living. So why is I'm still confused about these last days? I'm saying that because you're now asking, is this person going to fix this? Somebody needs to fix it, but it needs to be you. You need to get a better understanding of what you're here to do and be about the business of what you People say, well, Brother Finn, let me ask you a question. Got in the shop. What did Jesus do come back? I say, that's fine. Can you take the day off from work? <laughs> Does your mortgage not get paid? We hope he don't land in the no-fly zone. Because if you don't have proper ID, we know what these jets go do. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to be realistic. Because you live in a realistic world that has pushed a fantasy upon us. And we can't get work done because we're still looking for a leader and a savior. It wasn't Barack. And it ain't Oprah. It's you. You the one. As the autobiography of Jane Pittman and Cicely Tyson say, you the one. I should. Thank y'all. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, somebody get by with something. All right. All right, y'all. So uh, we rented the space until four o'clock. <laughs> so you ain't got to go home. I'll leave it at that. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for supporting. Peace. Nope. What time is it?